0: We're so glad you're joining us for a Word in Season with Doug Stringer and friends. We'd like to get to know you better. Visit podcast.org and fill out our survey. It'll take you about two minutes, and you'll have a chance to win a free gift. On this episode, we are about to hear from U.S. Olympian Ronnie Baker, who's joining his father-in-law, Dr. Kevin Harrison, who is the president of West Coast Bible College and Seminary, They're going to share about how God has given each of them a platform for His glory. 1 Corinthians 9, 23-24 tells us to run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. Let's lean in and listen as we welcome our host, Doug Stringer.
1: Really great today to have Dr. Kevin Harrison, longtime friend, partner in ministry, his son-in-law that just came back from the Olympics, Ronnie Baker. So we're going to be excited to talk about some of their story and some things I think will encourage and motivate all those that are on the call today. So I'm going to have Dr. Kevin Harrison, if you'll open up in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we just thank
2: you for the opportunity now just to bring you glory, to bring you honor. We just pray God that through everything that goes on today, Lord, that People would just see how great you are in every aspect of our life. God, whether they're highs, whether there are lows, Father, you are consistent, you are faithful, and we thank you for that faithfulness today. God, we just ask, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, that you would just speak through us and, God, speak to us the things that you want to encourage others with, God. I just thank you, God, that your anointing goes before us. God, and I thank you that today that you're knitting our hearts together just to see you do great things to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. So you and I have known each other for quite some time now. How far back do we go? I was thinking about that.
2: I think it's it's back in the early 2000s. I mean, I think the first time we actually met, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was a vice president at Southwestern Assembly of God University you came in because you were speaking in an event in Dallas that I remember. And you came to the college and you also spoke. So we met there. Then we've got a great mutual friend in Matt Stevens. Uh, and Matt brought us together in Baltimore. I think that was probably 2003. Uh, we got connected in relationship. And man, we have, uh, God has just been so good, man. Just allowing us to partner in so many different things uh, over the years.
1: Well, I remember now because the event in... Dallas, I think, was the call, Texas, that I was hosting for Lou Engel. I remember getting to speak at chapel or one of the group gatherings there at Southwestern Assemblies of God University. Well, you were the vice president at the time. Yeah, it
2: I'll tell you what, our student body loved you. And in fact, we've actually had you in our church, too, when I was pastoring in Waco, brought you in there. And We've partnered together in all kinds of um, you know, disaster relief. One of the things that sticks out to me, I remember back in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit, I just went down to Gulfport to go and serve water and uh, God had different idea. And, and so we, you know, so many different things happened, but I remember walking into a Red Cross station there and the lady who was in charge, she was overwhelmed that day. And so I went up to her and I just said, hey, what can I do to make your day better? She said, well, I need a 50,000 gallon potable water tank. She said, there's no way you can get that. I said, hold on a second. Let me make a phone call. So I called you, Doug. I said, Doug, uh, is there any way we can get this? And your answer was yes. And you actually were able to work with some of your partners that you had. I believe you were working with Pat Robertson at the time. So when I got off the phone, I was able to tell her it's on the way. And she just, her mind was blown. That's one of the big first things that I remember. We also worked together through the uh, West Texas Explosion that took place. I know you were working with KSBJ and a number of different churches and ministries there. If I remember right, it's about eighty to $90,000 in gift cards that you guys brought up to the people of West, and we were able to distribute to them, man, just a, a great outreach for them.
1: Well, actually, through that relationship, because that was after you were pastoring, and, in fact, Matt and uh, Katie Stevens and their family up in Baltimore, and, right. then, and then you went to Waco right after that? That's correct. You actually introduced us to somebody in your church that was pretty far up within H-E-B, which is Herbert E. Butt's uh, grocery stores. There's a whole other back-end story of that where he actually was a part of revival in the 1940s at Baylor University with another mutual friend, which was Ray Hoshizaki. During World War II, was actually allowed to stay at Baylor as a student, even though many Japanese Americans were put in camps. Yeah, but he was allowed to continue there and he was one of the people they say along with the founder of H-E-B grocery stores were a part of revival services that uh, came out of Baylor during that time but it was somebody in your church it was with H-E-B that they actually started a disaster relief arm so now the whole grocery store chain when there's a disaster actually has a disaster relief director. Jody was the person who was working
2: with us in HEB and she helped us out there in the explosion. But also, I remember uh, right after the explosion, there was also a, a massive tornado that took place in the Oklahoma City area. And so Jody wow. was able to help us out and we got a lot of uh, stuff to them as well there. And so that's phenomenal to hear. I didn't even know that Jody was doing that with you guys. That's phenomenal.
1: And so she connected us with them. And then what ended up happening is they started a whole disaster relief arm through the whole chain, the grocery store chain. So that's amazing. Kevin, since you've left Waco, you founded and uh, and established what's called the West Coast Bible College and Seminary. Tell us a little bit about how you started West Coast Bible College and Seminary, why, and a little bit about your background before we go into introducing your son-in-law, Ronnie Baker. Sure. Well, in uh,
2: in August 1st uh, of 2006, we founded West Coast Bible College and Seminary. And the reason why we founded it, our mission statement is we are called to create disciples of Christ without creating disciples of debt. Uh, one of the things that I saw when I was at Southwestern, it's a great, great university, but one of the things I saw that I've seen at many universities is that a lot of students get out and they have a call to the ministry, and yet they find themselves in a position where some of them can't go into the ministry because they have a lot of debt. You know, I remember somebody coming to me and telling me how much student debt they had, and I said, congratulations, you just bought your first house. And so the thing that got impressed upon us was let's put together a team of people who just... Uh, have a a heart for God, have an experience in ministry, uh, a passion to train students, and said, said, let's see where this can go. And so in 2006, we founded it. The first four years, tough times. You want to talk about tough? I mean, we got to the point, literally, my wife looked at me one day. She said, Kevin, she said, we can't keep doing this. She said, we are losing so much money. She said, it, we're literally going to go under. I mean, there's there's only so much you can lose. And so I just told her, I said, babe, I know this is what God's called us to do. So we, we've got to hold on. We've got to trust. We've got to believe. And I got to tell you, it was a, about a month and a half later, we signed a, an articulation agreement with Master's Commission International. In everything that we lost over four years, in one day, we were able to reclaim all of that. And so it just, it was one of those things where you just said, okay, God, thank you, because You know, when you're walking through the fire and you're just like, God, I don't know where the next check's coming from. I don't know how in the world we're going to pay the bills. God, are we going to go bankrupt? And all of a sudden, God says, I told you just to follow me. If you'll just walk in obedience, I'll do what I've told you I'm going to do. And so we've seen God help us expand literally all over the world. We teach on six different continents right now. We've got a a phenomenal group of professors, and I always laugh about this because our professors have all come to me. I haven't gone out and been looking for people. It's been one of those things where people have heard about our mission. They've said, I want to be a part of what it is that you guys are doing in training leaders. You know, nobody's making a lot of money there. Uh, They're getting a stipend, but they just have such a call. And so we've walked through accreditation in the UK. Uh, We walked through accreditation in South Africa, and now we're finishing up accreditation in the U.S. where we're actually going to be voted on in January of 2022. And so... Wow. It's been a huge process. What a faith walk it's been for us, but um, it's it's been amazing. You know, we've seen over 3,000 students during our time that have come and have been a part of West Coast Bible College and Seminary. And so now we've uh, had a huge presence in Africa. We plan on expanding that even as we're uh, moving a little bit forward here uh, in the next several years. But I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. I mean, it's, it's faithfulness always pays off with fruitfulness. You know, it's been the thing where God gave us the word. You hold on to the word, and you watch God fulfill that word in your life.
1: I know that we actually offer discounts for people who register and want to get connected to West Coast through uh, Somebody Cares as well. Yeah, in fact, if
2: anybody wants to sign up, we uh, will actually provide a link. So, westcoastbible.org slash sca. We'll have that up a little bit later uh, today. For anybody who's interested in that, we've got bachelor degrees, master degrees, doctoral degrees. Uh, We've been accepted in major universities, Division I universities. We have articulation agreements. But again, we're believing that God's going to help us to be able to finish the accreditation process here in the U.S. We just had our on-site visit last week. Uh, It went very well. I like to say those people, they're like bulldogs. I mean, they are just, it's just one thing after another. They find everything. And you're just like, wow, that's a great thought, man. Okay, we're going to do that. Let's go after that. And so, but it's great because what I told them from our standpoint is this, is I want to be accountable. I, I want to be accountable because we want to be the very best that we can be for our students. Uh, we we want to have the best accreditation that we can have for them so that when students go off into ministry, one thing is they're not going to have debt. And that's the beautiful thing about what we're doing. I mean, we've got a Christian service scholarship where students can literally enroll for $50 per month to get their degree. And I know, uh, you know, I've got a friend who told me, he said, that may be a bad business model for you in the long run. I said, yeah, it probably isn't going to make us a lot of money the way we're going right now. But I know this, I know this is what God's called us to do. And everywhere God has taken us, he's always made provision for us. And even as David said, you know, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread.
1: You know, God has always brought provision. Absolutely. I love that scripture. I remember Dallas Holmes one time was doing a concert with Right Heart Monkey. I remember he said, this is the first time I'm going to sing this song in quite a few years. And it was because his wife had been battling cancer and he had a hard time singing that song. But he did sing based on that scripture, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed beg for bread. And I thought, man, what a touching tribute, but also re- being reminded of the faithfulness of God, no matter what we go through. But so you've been uh, doing West Coast Bible College now for 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. I got to awesome. tell you, one of the things that, I, you know, I've been pretty much told my
2: entire life is you can't do that. You know, when somebody said, hey, you're you're thinking about founding a college. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm unconventional. But again, it's when God gives you a word. I mean, my whole life, it's been stop doing that. You can't do that. Uh, But I've always believed as long as I'm, listening to the heart of God, following after the heart of God, that God's always going to make a way to do whatever he's called me to do. And, and I'm definitely, uh, you know, I, I used to joke at Southwestern when I would sit in the administrative committee meetings, I would say, guys, it, did you ever watch Sesame Street before? There was a segment on there that said, one of these kids is not like the other. And I'm that kid. I'm not your typical person in the educational world. Not that there's anything wrong with anybody else, but I'm, but I'm just different. That's just, that's how I am. But that's who God's called me to be. It's wonderful to be able to live out the call of God and just be who God's called me to be.
1: I have a lifelong theological advisor because he does all the transliterations of Greek and Hebrew, Aramaic, Akkadian, you know, all those. Uh, He was actually the interim president of North Greenville University, Baptist University. He's been a professor at Regent University. But he has the same heartbeat. He says, you know, there's something about uh, not just taking people out of their calling into going to seminary or Bible school. Many of them never go back to their calling. And so he said, there's got to be a way to find a way to let people be trained in their calling rather than taking them from their calling. And that's what I love about what you're doing, Kevin. Yeah, it's 100% online. So, you know, you can train from anywhere. In fact,
2: I mean, if you get a cell phone, almost everything that you want to do, you can almost do everything from your cell phone. One of the reasons why we did that was we found in Africa that not a lot of people have Internet, not a lot of people have computers everybody's got a cell phone. I mean, they may live in a hut, but they've got a really nice smartphone. And so, you know, we can deliver lectures on here. We can deliver textbooks, everything. And we started actually doing that before anybody else. We were doing that in 2010. We were delivering all that stuff for the cell phone. And so we just know that I've watched too many people walk away from ministry because they couldn't afford to stay in it because of the student debt that they were in. And we just said, okay, God, we can be a part of the solution. We can help people to get the training that they need. And in fact, we get phenomenal feedback from people just because it's ex- extremely practical. It's affordable, but it's extremely practical as well. And when people enroll in West Coast, they can actually implement what they're doing at the time in their ministry and never have to leave where they are. So they can serve and again, not go in debt.
1: I love your background too, because it's not, you know, some people, there's a lot of paper mills out there. We're not talking about that. You legitimately want to see people train and be equipped for their calling. But we sent out your biographical sketches and Ronnie's biographical sketches. But tell me a little bit about your educational background, because it's not someone who just said, hey, I just want to have my own Bible school. It was, you are truly educated and you have an academic mind. I'm not
2: the smartest kid on the block, for sure. You know, but I, I certainly work hard. And that's one of the things that God has helped me, uh, you know, over the years to really be able to do, do my best. And so, you know, I, I have an earned doctor of ministry from Luther Rice College and Seminary. I've got an MBA from LSU Shreveport, which is one of the top 5% business colleges in the world. And in fact, I was able to finish that MBA in less than seven months. Uh, they they wouldn't go on record and saying it was the quickest one ever, but uh, you're not supposed to be able to finish it that quickly. But I but I was able to finish it. And then I've got a couple of bachelor degrees. I've got some other degrees and stuff too, a couple of bachelor degrees in, in science. And so every time that I've gotten a degree, my wife's like, oh, is this the last degree? Are you going to yeah. do anything else? Is there anything more you're going to... And, and the reason why I've gotten degrees hasn't been for me uh, or hasn't been to, to put up skins on a wall like are behind me right here. It's not for that. It really is so that I can learn Uh, Everything that I've done, I've wanted to become more like Christ, whatever it is. And so I've wanted to learn in those things. And so, you know, I just believe in the scriptures. It's true that, you know, you study to show yourself approved. And, you know, if you want to be able to stand in front of people and legitimately offer them something of value, uh, you know you need to be able to have proper credentials. Now, I tell you, the other thing I love about our our team, I mean, you know, I look at our vice presidents, we've got one vice president who's got a PhD from Marquette, another one who's got a PhD from Baylor and as well as a Doctor of Ministry from Gordon-Conwell. We built a great team because God's brought people to us. That's my history, my my background educationally. I've been a, a Christian school principal. I've also served as a vice president at Southwestern a couple of years. And so God just used those experiences to prepare me for where I am today.
1: Well, we could go on and on and talk about just all the things we've interfaced with and, and the things we've been a part of together. So I so appreciate your uh, integrity and your character, the consistency, and your courage to step out and do this because it really is helping really advance and expand the kingdom of God and the gospel all over the world in ways that maybe it would not happen because you're giving the integrity of God's word and helping people be equipped and trained in the field and not taking them from their calling yeah so kevin it's exciting that your son-in-law also who just came back from being an olympian at the tokyo olympics which has a special place in my heart because i was born in japan my mother was japanese i actually went to high school in japan and i was actually in japan meeting with leaders in december of 2019 in preparation and how we were going to work together for outreaches and prior to the olympics of 2020 And of course, uh, the pandemic happened, and so that was put on the shelf. And so it it was a special place in my heart also when I saw your post and saw Ronnie's post and that he was actually in the land of my birth, because I've been praying that the land known as the land of the rising sun would become known as the land of the risen sun. Ronnie, I sure wish you could have enjoyed so much more of the Japanese culture. I know there's a lot of lockdown there, but I'm praying that you'll get a chance to go back when everything opens up. And enjoy the, the Japanese culture there. Hey Kevin, introduce us to a little bit about your son-in-law because he's a world-class runner around the world, holds some top records in the world historically and I just want to share you to share a little bit personally about and introduce your son-in-law Ronnie Baker. Yeah, do that. Let me,
2: let me just say this first. I saw a poll yesterday that 40% of Americans believe that they actually could be an Olympian. <laughs> I thought, wow, you know, we, we've gotten pretty uh, pretty prideful there, 40% of us, you know, because I, I tell him that every time that I watch them, I used to think that I was a good athlete. And you watch these guys, ladies, whatever they're doing, it's just incredibly amazing. But uh, we had the opportunity to be able to meet Ronnie. It, it was actually a church back in 2018. I didn't know anything about Ronnie, didn't know what he did did know his background. I do remember though, and I'll tell you this, Ronnie, I remember Becky hugging you. That's my wife, Becky hugging you. And she turned me, she goes, oh my goodness. And I was just like, she never says that when she hugs me. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> <laughs> but his arms are a little bit better put together than mine are, I guess. But we met him and I just remember uh, meeting him the very first time and just thinking, wow, you could just see Jesus in him. And I remember the very first time I met him and I saw him standing near my daughter and I looked over there, and I said, I want him to marry my daughter. I just, I sensed, because there was, man, you could just see Jesus on him, just the, the love of Christ. And, uh, and so I mentioned something to my daughter about it. I said, Michaela, I said, uh, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about Ronnie? And she said, there's no way, dad. No, 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 no. And, and I'm like, well, we'll just see, we'll just pray. And so we got to know Ronnie a little bit. They started to the date. Just more and more, we just saw the character of Christ uh, in him. And so he is uh, just a phenomenal person take all the track and fields. He's done amazing things in track and field, but he's an amazing person who loves Christ with all of his heart. And he is a great example. And so, you know, there's a lot of things Ronnie won't tell you about himself. I mean, my daughter, you know, she was walking through his house before they got married. And in fact, she was going through boxes this past week, just of awards and trophies. And so he's got so many things but as she was walking through at one point, she picked out a trophy and she said, you were the 2018 U.S. male track and field athlete of the year. And he said, eh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I would have that on a gold chain around my neck, back, <laughs> back and forth, all this stuff. And so, you know, God's opened up a lot of doors for him. Uh, he's he's given him a gift. But Ronnie has been very faithful in using uh, his gift. He, he loves the Lord with all of his heart. He loves my daughter. And my daughter, man, she just, uh, she totally is in love with him. And you can talk to him about the Olympics and stuff, a different experience for him. We are just so incredibly proud of the man he is first. And then we just, you know, he posted the other day, he said, my goal is to one day become one of the greatest uh, sprinters of all time. And I posted back, I said, you are one of the greatest sprinters of all time. I mean, you 13th fastest human in history in the 60 and the hundred meter rather uh, the third fastest in history in the sixty meter, ninth fastest time in the history of the Olympics hundred meters, third fastest American in the history of that. But you'd never know it. You'd never know it just because he's he's humble and and he loves the Lord. And so, yeah. and Ronnie, you probably didn't know that till your father in law did the research for you, right? Right. I didn't. I didn't know about the the
3: thirteenth uh, fastest time in the hundred, and, and also the the being the third fastest american in the olympics in the 100 in history so no i didn't know any of that until about maybe three days ago so <laughs> well, well, Ronnie, thank reason. you
1: so much for taking the time i know you're going back into training here in a couple of days and daily training because you're actually going on to some more other world-class competitions uh, so when the olympics is done it's not done you're still out there doing what god has gifted you to do right yeah we actually have a lot more of the season to go well not a whole lot m- more like
3: just a month uh, of racing left uh, but yeah after the olympics the season doesn't really end there's just so much more stuff to do and really right now my my goal is to try to secure the number one uh, world ranking this year which will, i'll have to do that through basically just competing a little bit more and and hopefully coming out on top in both of those races that i run throughout the rest of the year i'll probably run through september early september and then i'll i'll call it a season and have a couple weeks off and then i'll be right back to training in october
1: (laughs) so So i know because kevin's already said how humble you are so when you say that you have a possibility of becoming ranked number one in, in the world, what does that mean? And what does that take for you to have to do that to be able to you can be traveling to I know Oregon and you'll be traveling to Europe and other things as well to continue to compete? For me, I mean, being number one in the world is
3: is uh it's it's an honor. I've I've been very close to being able to do that. I think twenty eighteen I I ended up ranked number two in the world. So I've been right there on the on the cusp of being able to do that. So um, to be in a position now where there's really a couple races riding on, you know, being in that number one spot. It really is just a great opportunity. And I felt like, you know, even with the Olympics and, and all the opportunities and all the races that I have, it's it's an opportunity to be able to uh, excel to the highest level and honestly just be, be able to show myself what I'm capable of. But yeah, I've, I've been number two before. I've never been number one. So this is a really good a really good chance for me to uh, solidify that and, and make that happen, really in the next
2: month or so. It's it's very special, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. He he was ranked number one in the world for 13 weeks. I do want to bring that up. Yeah. Oh, that, there's a the
1: historian there. There you go. Well, I understand what it means. I, I mean, I have you know this uh, this is the old guy in me. In 1974, I was uh, wrestling for the United States in Japan during high school and. I was ranked uh, number one seed in two different weight classes throughout the Far East. And during the Far East Wrestling Championships, I busted up my left elbow on the first day. I still wrestled through it the next day. By one point decision, I should have gotten the gold. Instead, I became second all Far East, but still first Japan. But, you know, that was always in the back of my mind. Then I had a coach that's in the Wrestling Hall of Fame. And he uh, he was a gold medalist in the Pan American Games and uh, another guest coach Ichiguchi was a gold medalist in the Olympics back in the 60s in wrestling. And they were always saying, Doug, you need to go to this school and that school to get back to America. And then we expect you in the 1980 Olympics. Well, that never happened. And that's a whole other story. So it's always been that eating thing in the back of my mind. But I realized a few years after that, you know what, I'm still number one in the Lord, because if, if the Lord is with us, there's nothing to be against us. And the fact is that the greatest champions is not those who never fail, but those who never quit. And uh, you're definitely a champion. You're number one in, in many of our eyes. I know you're number one in your in-laws' lives and your wife and, and so many other that know you. I, I want to know a little bit about uh, as we before we go on to more of your what you're doing and gifting in your in, in athletics. Tell me a little bit about your history because I want to know a little bit about your faith walk, some of your upbringing and. And maybe some of the things that you've had to grow through and some adversities in your life that to help you become who you are today. For me, first of all, I, I grew up in, in Louisville, Kentucky. I actually
3: was born there. Uh, I have two younger siblings, one brother, one sister. Sister's the youngest, brother's the middle child, um, but I'm the oldest. And so um, I was born in Louisville and we moved to Anchorage, Alaska for about seven years and I was younger. Um moved there when I was five years old, came back to Louisville when I was twelve. Um, and so I, after that, I spent most most of my life was in spent in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and so you know, I didn't grow up in the greatest area of Louisville. My dad wasn't very present uh, in my life, and so my mom really raised me and my younger two siblings. So ultimately that was that was something that was uh, for me as as the oldest child, I guess I had to grow up a little bit quicker and and do a lot more things that maybe, you know, a typical teenager wouldn't have to do as far as helping take care of, you know, two younger siblings and, and kind of really step up and be kind of the man of the household. And so um, there, I think that when I was younger, it was something that never really, I guess bothered me because I felt like it was, it was kind of just like a normal thing I knew it wasn't normal, but it was like something that I'd become so callous to that. I just got used to, to stepping into that role. And so um, I I think that it really, I really understood the effects of it when I got to college and, you know, as, as an older adult male trying to, you know, figure out life and, and um, one beyond my own but also uh, to just kind of grow up with having different people in my life that uh, guided me as far as one, in my faith, uh, but two, just growing up as, as a young man, right? Um, there's a lot of people there in my life that acted as like surrogate fathers for me. And so um, when I got to college, I was kind of alone and, and I had to really figure out a lot of that on my own. And so I, I started to just kind of realize that some of the, some of the effects of not having my father present when I was younger. And so I think that for me, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I had to deal with when I was younger was, uh, it shaped me, like I said, like you said, shaped me into the man that I am today. And it's helped me to realize what, um, I don't want, but also what I, who I need to be, not only for, you know, now my family, my wife, and potentially, you know, our, our kids down the road you know, it's, it's helped me to figure out what kind of lifestyle I want to live, but also what I want to impart into my kids and and how I want to help them grow. Um, and a lot of that comes down to one being present and being that father figure that I didn't have, but also having and taking the morals and the things that I'm learning in my faith journey. And also, you know, really teaching my kids what it means to be one, a believer and also a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. So although, you know, my childhood wasn't, you know, the greatest, um, as far as like having two parents in the home and things like that, I I've definitely gone through a lot and overcome a lot. And I think that I didn't understand really kind of, you talk about the faith journey. I didn't really understand, I guess, what that meant when I was younger. Uh, but I think for me, I'm, I'm really starting to understand what that means really kind of in the last three years when, when I met um, uh, Kevin and and Michaela. And when I started going to church, well, that's where we met in 2018. I really decided that I was going to really have a relationship with Christ because I grew up in the church and I knew who Jesus was, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. And so I think my, I'm really, really now understanding uh, a lot more about jesus christ how he lived um how he wants us to live and honestly living out um living out what it what it truly means to like be a christian because a lot of people say they are but a lot of people aren't living that lifestyle um and so that was really in the last three years that's kind of been i'm really understanding that (laughs) to uh and kind of a i guess a deeper a deeper scope, I guess, taking a really deep look into those things. So
1: there's no doubt that your depth of commitment to Christ and faith in Christ has helped you overcome a lot of things, also adversities and recognizing what those are. But there's, you know, I've heard it said by the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, who was the founder of the Christian Men's Network, he said the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king and realizing that there's no doubt by watching you, following you, hearing about you, that you have the characteristics of the kingdom of God in you. And so every adversity you've ever come through, that's given you that that footing to be able to help you overcome those obstacles or temporary setbacks. And even the way you responded in so many things in your post, even during the Olympics, that could have been, and were disappointments, but could have been the thing that drove you but instead you didn't live there you didn't you didn't park there you're already focused on fixing your eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of your faith and because of that people don't know what to do with that because you're a man of faith and and so it's a lot of times the media doesn't know how to handle that and so tell me a little bit about maybe cuz you've shared some of your testimony and I can relate to the fact that my brother and sister are 9 and 10 years younger than me and uh in the same deal my dad was in the military was never there. And my step my dad divorced my mom. And then my stepdad came in the picture. He was gone in the military. And so I understand the responsibilities that come, you don't really recognize till later. But I'm sure your siblings still look up to you in so many ways, not just as a big brother, but as someone that they respect and admire because of the commitment you had in their lives and still do. And But it's defined in some of the, the man that you are today, the character of, the, of Christ in you. So what are maybe some areas where you have um, you know we've been talking about testimonies but also about we all meet up with unexpected detours, disappointments, struggles. What are some things in your life that you've been confronted with even as a Christian that you've had to fix your eyes on the Lord and have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony
3: man uh, that's a that's a very yeah, it's a very deep question loaded question um, I think you know with especially with, you know, growing up and not having, you know, kind of that father figure there and my dad not being there. My my parents were divorced as well. It, uh, it, it, it does affect the, it affects the kids and it affects the family huge. And so I believe, you know, in my, in my, in my lifetime and in my family, you know, my mom's side of my family is, is very big. My grandma had 11 children and right. so uh, I have lots of cousins and, and uncles and aunts and, and it's, it's wild sometimes. <laughs> But I I realized that um, most, all of the people on my mom's side of my family, they're they're either divorced or they're not married to the same person that they got married to when they first, you know, started that relationship. So, I have noticed that and understood that. Honestly, you know, that's one thing that, again, it affects not only the people the the partnership and the people involved, but also the kind of that family dynamic and the kids and things of that nature and how they grow up and how they view the world. And so that's always something that I've always wanted to change. And, um, I think that, you know, with that, there was, I, I always knew, again, I always knew who Jesus was. And, um, for me, I have had times in my life where realizing and not having that, that figure, that father figure in my life is, is really, I guess emotionally has scarred me sometimes, and and it wasn't until recently until I actually went through the process of forgiving my father for not being there and and things of that nature that I've really understood that my heavenly father has always been there in my life, and so, you know, I think that God's helped me through through that tremendously, but also through, you know, being, being in college and not having someone kind of to guide me in that area, having to figure out a lot of those things on my own and how to be a man. There were times that I was in college where I was not living the the most saved Christian life. And so, um, and I wasn't being definitely a witness to the people around me. And again, that was before I had a relationship with God. And when I look back on it, I realized that God kept me from A lot of things that definitely now could have deterred me from where I am now today, from one, being married uh, to having the beliefs and and faith that I do have. There's just a lot of things that he's kept me from. And so I look back on those things. And to be honest with you, I I get emotional because I know that God's always been there. He's always had a, a hand in my life. And even it's funny, my mom told me this story, you know, going back to my track and field career. I believe that God's given me a gift to one, be able to, you know, glorify him, but also to avoid a lot of the stuff that uh, I was going through when I was, when I was younger. Um, And my mom, my mom actually, she went to, she went to college for a couple of years. She never finished. She she was actually going to go into the air force. My grandmother persuaded her and convinced her and talked her out of it. So she ended up going to college for two years. Um, my mom really wanted to go into the Air Force. It did, just didn't happen because my mom just didn't want her to go, or my grandmother. And uh, she went to college WKU for two years. She met um, this lady named Stanya Taylor. She's like my aunt, I call her my aunt, um, and her brother Avery. And so my mom went there, met them. They were really good friends. Mom never finished college, went back to Louisville, Kentucky to be at home. She had me 18 years later, I was looking at going to basically going to school and, you know, trying to get into college. And at that time we didn't have the money to, for me to be able to go to school. If I was going to go to school, I was going to be on student loans and I was going to have to go in state because it was just going to be cheaper. And so I was running track in high school and lo and behold, the Avery Taylor, who my mom had met 18 years prior, who she was really good friends with knew the recruiting coach at TCU. And so he put in a call to the guy at TCU and they reached out to my mom. I ended up taking a visit there. It was the first visit I took and I ended up at TCU. And my mom told me that story the other day of how she looked back on all those things and how she wasn't going to go to college, but she went there and met someone that she believed God had just put in. Literally, the reason that she believed she went to college and didn't finish was just so she could meet them so that they could be in that position to get me into school. And ever since then, you know, obviously I went to TCU in 2012, but I wouldn't be here if I didn't, if I didn't have that scholarship and got that full ride to TCU and been able to work with my coach for the last, you know, really eight, nine years. So it's just a blessing. Like I, I look back and see even that story, the hand of God's just like, he's been in my life and kind of orchestrating everything up into this point. And so, like I said, I'm understanding that now as a 27-year-old male still still growing up and learning and understanding what faith is. And so, I think it's really cool. It's an awesome experience to to see that and know that. But I think that you go through life and sometimes there's a lot of disappointments. And you know, we can talk about the Olympics, you know. I wasn't super happy with the way things went. Um especially because at this point in my life, I I think I had believed so big. I had faith for something that I knew that God would have to step into the middle of it for it to be accomplished. And I don't think I've ever believed that big. I didn't ever think I've had that much faith in anything up until this point where I was like, you know what? I think as Christians, sometimes we believe so small that God can't even like people always, they ask for, they ask for increase and God gives them $20 and he's like, there's your increase. And you're like, God, $20. Like I can I can go do that. I can go make that any time, but I've gotten to the point where I can believe bigger because I know that again, it's not necessarily going to be on, on my power or on what I can do, but God's got to step into that, into that gap and fill it. And so in this moment, I, I really have like, my faith was, I believe bigger and, and I, I believed bigger. I, I really didn't have any doubt that I was going to do well and honestly compete to the best of my abilities, but also come out with with medals. Like that was, you know, you go and you compete and you compete to win. And in this moment, it, it, it didn't happen for me. And so that was one thing that it hurt. Um, and it's kind of this cycle of, okay, uh, you have this faith, you believe, and it, it may not, it doesn't happen for you. So you have to continue to have that faith though, because I think that there's, I have a platform now to be able to speak into people's lives and tell them about Jesus Christ and tell them how, you know, I came from a single parent home raised in not the greatest area of Louisville, kentucky to where i am now and i I believe that god's had a hand in all of that and it could be the point where hey you know god might not increase my platform in that area but he's he's allowing me to use what i have now to be able to speak into the people that are listening at this point or you know look up to me you know for me that's hard because i can't say that the next five years of me you know putting in all this work and, and grinding and and going to practice and, you know, I can't say that in the next four or three years in Paris that two gold medals are going to happen. And I think that, that as a, as a Christian, that's hard. Cause it's like, wow, I'm going to put in, I might put in another three years and it might not happen for me. Ultimately. I think that you have to understand, I have to look at it and say, okay, where are, where are my desires? Are they in me winning or is it wrapped up in me winning so much that I'm forgetting the the true purpose of it is to one use the gift that God's given me to to glorify him. That's been something that I've been talking to God about, especially after this Olympics the last two weeks of my life. Um, I've been kind of crazy. It's it's been a whirlwind. That has been something that I've definitely been thinking about and and praying through, but also knowing that like at the end of the day, the mission was accomplished. I yeah. got to spread the word of Jesus Christ and let people know who he is and I did that on the biggest
1: stage, so. You know, it's interesting, you said a great response, by the way, on a very deep question, in the sense there's so much you could probably add. Something you said about even every adversity has become an opportunity. And even through difficult times, God you know, works out things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And there is no doubt the depth and the substance of the kingdom of God that dwells in you, your love for God, for people, and just using the platform as an opportunity to let His light shine in you in a very obvious way. You have a story to tell. I think that you have substance. I think that you have an obvious love for God and for people. So uh, I'm just so happy that you've been with us today, Ronnie. And, uh, and I know that there's going to be continued opportunities for you to, to see in the platform to see more people uh, see Christ in you. You are a champion There's no doubt we all see that in you. First and foremost, a champion for Christ uh, and one that truly loves the Lord. Is there any uh, thoughts or closing thoughts that you have that just share your heart that before we uh, conclude in prayer? I'm just...
3: Super thankful for the opportunity and thank you guys for for having me on and being willing to listen to a little bit of my story. So I, I definitely appreciate that. It's, this is also, you know, there's great opportunities. And this is this is a platform again for, for me to be able to share my story and share the love of Jesus Christ. So thank you for the opportunity.
1: Well, we're gonna to continue to have people pray for you. And I do want to add one conclusion here. I was just processing thinking about Ronnie in my book, Leadership Awakening. I actually talked about a story about a world-class marathon runner in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. That was John Stevens Aquari from Tanzania. I won't go into the whole story, but 75 people began that race. About 19 kilometers into it, there was a collision. He busted up his knee and his shoulder, bandaged up. Many other people quit. He became dead last of the 57 that finished the race. 75 started, 57 finished. The gold, silver, and bronze awards had already been given. They were getting ready to leave the stadium. And he he comes through limping, trying to drag his leg, try to come and finally cross the finish line. The people that remained gave a standing ovation. And they said to him, why would you run a race you could not win and all beaten up like you were? And he simply said, my nation of Tanzania did not send me thousands of kilometers to start a race, but to finish the race. And the moral of that story for all of us is that God didn't call us to start this race of faith. He called us to run the race to finish and to finish well. You know, it's interesting. I can't remember who the medalists were in the 1968 marathon. But I do remember the name John Stevens Aquari because far beyond that Olympics, There was a man of character who sent a message, and it reverberates to this day, written about in books like mine and so many other stories. And that's the story of your life, Ronnie. Your name, because it's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and because the characteristics of God's kingdom in you, is going to far outlast all the temporal accolades some may have. And you're going to excel in everything you put your hands to do, because Christ is in you and for you. Amen. I'm going to have you just pray for those that will be listening and they're viewing the podcast and also the follow-up YouTube of this and Facebook and other social media. Yeah, absolutely. Dear Father, uh, we just thank you for the beautiful
3: day that you've given us, God. Um, Another day to uh, give you glory, to be in your presence, um, to give you thanks for just all that you've done. God, we thank you for the platform that you have given us to be able to Speak your word and to tell people of your goodness. And I just pray uh, for everyone that is, you know, hearing this this podcast, listening or watching on YouTube or any other outlet. Lord, that you would come into their lives, God. That you would uh, speak to them through this recording. Lord, and that whatever they're supposed to get from this, whatever they're supposed to hear, God, they hear directly from you. Um, And we just pray for uh, our world, God, and and all the hurting souls out there, Lord. We just pray that you would comfort them, that you'd be with them, and God, that they would come to know you. We thank you again, Lord. We praise you and we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Amen. And I'm going to have Kevin, you give some final thoughts and prayer as well, but something Kevin sent me, and I just want to say about you, Ronnie, he said that 100 meter was one of the most amazing displays of Christ likeness I've ever seen in the middle of his disappointment. Talking about you, Ronnie, you congratulated others and spoke of the medal you were running for is what paves the streets of heaven. While you definitely were disappointed, uh, your love for Jesus and character shined through big time. And that's so true that your perspective was that although you were running for the gold medal, that you really are part of something where gold is already paving the uh, the streets of gold in heaven. So, uh, Ronnie, it's so blessed to have you today. Thank you so much to hear your heart and your perspective. Uh, Kevin, any final thoughts, and then close us in prayer. Sure, I would just say this: you know, one of the things that we see, especially in the media
2: today, for the most part, they don't want to hear stories like Ronnie's story. They don't want to listen to people who are going to talk about Jesus and. Uh, you'll notice that a lot of times, uh, even in interviews, things like that, Ronnie will sometimes they'll start to ask him a question. He'll begin to talk about what God has done in his life. Then all of a sudden, you know, they'll. Uh, it's, it's like they're scared almost. Uh, they, they try to get away from that as quickly as they can, because Ronnie knows who his redeemer is, who his savior and his help is. And so I'm grateful to have people out there. You know, Ronnie's a person who he loves his country. I mean, he's I told him, I said, you are a corporate America's dream because you love your country. You love people. You're not going to get some kind of a crazy scandal going on with Ronnie. You're you're a top athlete in the world. And so, you know, we're just believing that God is going to bring the right sponsors to him. You know, they're going to help to, you know, just bring some provision because I know just their faithfulness and in in every aspect and how they give. And so um, I would just encourage you guys just to keep Ronnie in prayer. Uh, you know, there were a lot of things that he could have talked about regarding, uh, you know, just some of his injuries and things he's walked through. But it's just so great to see a young man who loves God and is using his talent and gift in the way that he is. And it's great for me because I'm a huge sports fan. And so now I have a favorite athlete who happens to be my son-in-law. There you go.
1: Kim, would you close us out in prayer
2: then? I would. God, I just I thank you for your goodness. Lord, you are good at all times in our life. God, even when there are things that go on that they don't feel good, God, you are good. And so we just, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for a platform for you to receive glory, honor, and praise. And God, I know there are people who probably have listened to this and God, maybe they've walked through disappointments in their life. Maybe they've felt like quitting and giving up and Maybe they don't, they don't know where to turn, but Father, I just thank you that today, Lord, your word is going to uplift them and strengthen them. Father, I thank you that you are a friend who sticks closer than a brother to us. God, I thank you, Lord, for Ronnie's testimony and, God, how you're going to use him, God, again, on this world stage to bring glory and honor and praise to you, God. Do things, God, that only you can do through his life. God, thank you for this ministry. Thank you for somebody cares and the partners who are here, God, and how you've used them. God, expand their platform to be able to reach more people, God, bring more provision than they've ever had before, God, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be proclaimed and the glory of God would go forward throughout all this earth, we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Head over now to a podcast.org and and let us know how we're doing by taking a quick survey. If you need prayer today, reach out to somebodycares.org or you can call or text our 24-hour Somebody Cares America prayer line, 855-459-CARE.
3: We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.